Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So a lot of what we're about to tell you is being rejected by the Pentagon. The Pentagon saying isn't true. But I guess the best way to do it is to tell you what is being claimed in the new Bob Woodward book. And then we'll have the pushback from the Pentagon. Um, New Bob Woodward book coming out. I feel like I've done this. What's this one called? It's got to be something dramatic. Moby Dick. Terror or Brink. or Somebody somebody Google it so I don't have to Google it myself. Whatever it is. Cramps. Yeah. It's always something very immediate. Alex, Google it. Hanson, Google it. Anger, what's the, what's the name of the Bob Woodward book? Doesn't really matter, but Um So the book is out, and here's how the book starts. Ah, peril. That's it. Peril. Two days after the January 6, 2021 violent assault on the United States Capitol by supporters of President Donald Trump, General Mark Milley, the nation's senior military officer, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, placed an urgent call on top-secret back-channel line at 7.03 a.m. to his Chinese counterpart, General Lee, chief of the Joint Staff of the People's Liberation Army. Lee fired up questions to Milley. Was the American superpower unstable? Was it collapsing? What was going on? Was the U.S. military going to do something? Now, I believe that happened. That makes perfectly good sense, that China could be looking at this and thinking, oh, whoa, is there about to be a new president or, or a coup or what the heck's happening? Well, they're familiar with that sort of thing. So, yeah, it's not unreasonable from a Chinese point of view. Milley said in response, things may look unsteady, but that's the nature of democracy, generally. We're 100% steady. Everything is fine, but democracy can be sloppy sometimes. And then uh, Woodward gets more into the back-channel conversations that Milley had with uh, his Chinese counterpart. Well, maybe we can talk about that more later. But you also have this phone call between Pelosi and Milley that happened also. Nancy Pelosi calls him up. This is the day after the uh, attack on the Capitol. Good morning. She probably started with good morning. I, I Actually, I doubt she did because she was pretty worked up. Sunday morning. General Milley, mm-hmm. what, what precautions are available to prevent an unstable president from initiating hostilities or from accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike? General Milley said, this is one of those moments, Madam Speaker, where you're going to have to trust me on this. I guarantee, I'm giving you my word, I can't say any of it publicly because I don't have the authorities. I can assure you that the United States military's study is a rack, and we're not going to do anything illegal, immoral, or unethical with the use of force. We will not do it. Pelosi said, who knows what he might do? He's crazy. You know he's crazy. He's been crazy for a long time. So don't say you don't know what his state of mind is. He's crazy. And what he did yesterday, presumably mean January 6th, is further evidence of his craziness. But anyway, I appreciate what you said. General Milley said, Madam Speaker, I agree with you on everything. Well, there's lots of brands of crazy, too. There's crazy in love. There's crazy for the taste of Pringles. There's all <laughs> sorts of, I mean, you stir crazy? Come on now. Yeah, March Madness. Sure, that's a good one. It's a kind of crazy. Um, so those that, that's some of the stuff out of the Bob Woodard book that's getting a lot of attention. Now, the, the Pelosi conversation between Millie and her, I think she was like uh, crazed, not crazy, but crazed herself with, you know, upset, anger, whatever. And he's just trying to talk her down. Now, him saying, I can't say it publicly because I don't have the authority to say that, no, I'm in control of the nuclear arsenal. 
That's the part that's got a lot of people's attention. Uh, to what extent is that true? Well, let's listen to Jennifer Griffin. She was reporting on this yesterday for Fox. Let's go with 61 there, uh, Michael. Multiple Pentagon officials tell me that some of the characterizations in the Woodward and Costa book are, quote, nonsense. There was no secret meeting over nuclear procedures or attempt to undermine the president's authority. Here's what we do know. Two days after the Capitol riot, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi revealed she called General Milley about taking the nuclear football away from President Trump to prevent, quote, an unstable president from initiating military hostilities or, ac- or accessing the launch codes and ordering a nuclear strike. Pentagon officials pushed back on suggestions in the new Woodward and Costa book that General Milley put himself in the chain of command. I can report from my own conversations at the time with senior military sources that during that phone call, Speaker Pelosi was distraught following the events in the Capitol that day and was screaming and demanded that General Milley take the nuclear football away from the president. Those privy to the phone call told me at the time that General Milley tried to reassure her and pushed back and repeatedly said, Madam Speaker, you know I can't do that. So that's it's interesting on its own that a, a, a creature of Washington, D.C. and the federal government like Nancy Pelosi, she's been around all these decisions at very high, high levels for decades and decades. She's Speaker of the House. She's number three in line to the to presidency. And she's asking, there's a transcript of their phone call out. Nobody knows who leaked that. But somebody, re, if I was Nancy Pelosi, I'd be pissed. If I was General Milley, I'd be pissed. So who leaked that phone call? Because um, it, it's not it's not a good for either one of them, really. But the speaker... Some spook, probably. But the Speaker of the House was asking the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs to do something completely illegal and unconstitutional? How come more people aren't upset about that? She ought to be asked about that. That's absolutely true. Uh, you know what I think was going on was you got an 80-year-old woman, a fragile 80-year-old woman who was terrified for her life during the uh, the Capitol events on January 6th, the fracas, and uh, I think she she came somewhat unhinged. She was shrieking. But doesn't that bother anybody? Okay, so you're bothered by Donald Trump, and I'm, I'm watching MSNBC last night, and Rachel Maddow's going crazy, and Brian Williams go crazy, all this sort of stuff. This is how close we came. This is how dangerous Trump was. You don't think it's dangerous that the Speaker of the House calls a general and says you need to take charge of the, the military arsenal? That doesn't yeah, there, bother there you? there are words for that. <laughs> yeah, it happens in South American countries all the time. I mean, if that's not a coup, the day after the supposed coup attempt... An absolute coup attempt was going on. I mean, so it we, seems we have a transcript of a coup attempt. The third in line to the presidency is telling the top military guy take power from the president, who is the commander in chief. That is a coup. Boy, now that you sp- you spell it out like that, it absolutely is. Or or it's loose talk. I mean, when does a raving old bag become a conspiracy? <laughs> I mean, I need that question answered at the highest levels of law enforcement. Now, now to the other stuff, where to what extent was Milley interjecting himself in the chain of command, which he's not supposed to be in at all, um, over the whole uh, nuclear football, the nuclear arsenal, from the book, which is called Moby Dick or Peril. Look up, Peril. Look up both of them. Millie it ought to be called Milley, don't be a hero. Don't be a fool with your life. That's an old and obscure reference. I hope somebody enjoyed it. Norm MacDonald smiling in heaven. 
<laughs> Thanks, Norm. Uh, Millie decided to act, immediately summons senior officers from the National Military Command Center in the war room used by the Pentagon. Milley said he wanted to go over the procedures and process for launching military weapons. Only the president could give the order, he said. But then he made clear that he, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, must be directly involved. Any doubt, any irregularity, first call me directly and immediately. Do not act until you do. He pointed to himself, and then he went around the room, asking each officer for confirmation that they understood, looking each in the eye. Got it, Millie said? Yes, sir. Got it, he asked another? Yes, sir. Got it? Yes, sir. Got it? Yes, sir. Millie considered it an oath. How interesting. Now, Millie has to answer for this, doesn't he? I guess he's put out a statement saying, nah, I didn't. How is that even a question? Bob Woodward... First of all, you can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways whether you're Republican or Democrat on this Woodward stuff. But you can't have it both ways, uh, Dems. You can't, oh my God, can you believe how close we were? Bob Woodward is the best reporter in D.C. And this is what he's saying about how unhinged Trump was. You can't say Bob Woodward is, you know, this. these are facts coming from Bob Woodward and ignore this stuff about a guy who has no business saying, I'm in charge of the nuclear arsenal, taking charge of it. Right. He needs to explain himself specifically. And even then, he's probably guilty of something horrendous. Do we have to clip a Rand Paul saying he needs to be tried or something like that? I saw a news alert on it. Oh, Rand Paul said that. Marco Rubio said that Biden needs to fire him. I think that's absolutely true. I usually don't go for this. They need to resign. They need to get fired. Blah, blah, blah stuff. You know. But... Unless he specifically comes out, and I think he needs to answer questions. I think he needs to have a press conference. Unless he specifically comes out and and, and in detailed way can explain how this is not true, he absolutely pulled at least a mini coup, if not a full coup. Now, just I'm going to get lawyerly on you here. Uh, what if he were to say things were obviously chaotic? And what I was saying to the fellows is, if they get more chaotic, and you're not confident that the chain of command is being followed, or, or if things do go off the rails, let's make sure the U.S. military doesn't do anything half-cocked. You have to check with me. You have to check with me, who has no authority to be the decision-maker on that? I'm in charge here, Alexander Haig. You don't get to decide you're in charge. I don't care what the circumstance is. You don't get to decide you're in charge. That's not the way it works. Yeah, it's not a provisional chain of command. It's a chain of command. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. You make the point, I think, quite clearly. If this is true and the left is acting as if it was, there needs to be a serious accounting for people going way out of line. Absolutely. The left is acting like this is all gospel. That's the or, way it's being treated. Or Mark Milley, General Milley, say why you did it and make us believe it. But I, it hasn't really even occurred to me until now. The way it was being treated on the cable news channels yesterday, the cable news channels, not Fox, is that this is 100% gospel. Oh, my God, can you believe this? Okay. Well, if we're going to take it all as true, what Woodward is reporting is that General Milley went off completely unconstitutionally into uh, an area he had no business being in. And the third in line to the presidency, shrieking through the phone, demanded a coup. If this were, what would be the proper way to do it? What's the proper way to do it? The 25th Amendment, they all they all get together quickly and decide he's incompetent and we're going to put Pence in charge? Or 
Yes. Yeah, because my recollection of that uh, amendment is that uh, if you all get together and a majority of the cabinet and the vice president sign off on it, it becomes immediate and the president is like suspended until it can be sussed out. Again, don't trust me on that. I'll have to grab the amendment. But uh, yeah, so that would be the proper way to do that. I It's going to be interesting to see how this falls out over the next couple of days. Or if, for instance, Joe Biden's dementia gets worse, then he worse, and he goes crazy and starts to do stuff. There's always Short the option. Short of pressure. There's exactly. There's always the option of duct taking, taping him to the chair in the Oval Office, putting a gag in his mouth, and then holding a meeting to figure out what to do next. Can I hear that clip one more time? Short of pressure. depression. That's not edited. That's from an actual Joe Biden speech. Do we have one more Bidenism? Flatbatic health care. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Thank God we have a steady hand at the till now in old Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you think? Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In his book, O.J. Simpson says that he would have taken a bullet or stood in front of a train for Nicole. Man, I'm going to tell you, that is some bad luck when the one guy who would have died for you kills you. (laughs) Oprah Winfrey's longtime boyfriend, Stedman Graham, has written a new book called You Can Make It Happen, A Nine-Step Plan for Success. Step number one, become Oprah Winfrey's boyfriend. (laughs) Last week in Cleveland, the rock group Crosby, Stills, and Nash was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In addition, a special Lifetime Achievement Award was presented to David Crosby's liver. (laughs) Okay, folks, that's the news. Have a good thing. Have a good thing. I uh, I think I enjoyed Norm the least on Weekend Update. Oh really? He was. Yeah. Voted... I'm not saying it was bad. It just uh, there are other times I find him just a scream. He was voted uh, best anchor, um, of all time on Saturday Night Live. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Entertainment Weekly. Which I, I like, would agree. Uh, I uh, like Jost and Che. I think they're hilarious. And but... all the other anchors got together on a thing on Comedy Central, and they all decided he was the best. Huh. Which you I know, have... it's a matter sure. of taste, but. Yeah, I the beholder. Yeah, funny guy, though. God bless him. He uh, died cancer, probably leukemia, they think, at uh, age 61. Yeah, and kept it secret the whole time. He said the, the, His publicist said because he didn't stand-up was his life, and he didn't figure it, he could continue to do stand-up if he walked out on the stage all the time with people thinking, oh, he's dying of cancer, which, you know. That does kind of shade the thing. Yeah, exactly. I know uh, Neil Peart of Rush, perhaps the greatest drummer of all time. Don't send me your emails. I don't care. Anyway, um, he he was battling brain cancer for several years, and, and nobody ever said anything. In his case, because he was a private guy and thought it's nobody's business. Mickey Dolenz. Mickey Dolenz, greatest rock and roll drummer of all time. From the monkeys. Okay, okay. well, <laughs> thank you for redirecting the anger of people toward yourself. <laughs> My kids have just gotten into the monkeys. I, uh, yes. We're watching them on YouTube. And uh, and they actually really enjoy it, like really like it. Can we watch another episode of the Monkees? It's good. It's funny. That's funny. So that's like four generations who've loved the Monkees. <laughs> and I didn't think my kids would like it, but it, it's fast paced enough for them. 
Well, they got a fireman pole in their house. What's yeah. not to like? Exactly. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure we have time for this, but maybe we'll uh, we'll start it anyway. We got quite a note from uh, Aileen Anonymous. Hello, gents. Ready for a real-life example of what Biden's vaccine mandate is going to reap? We operate a small chain of family grocery stores, but our employee count overall is over 100. Yesterday, one of our store managers let us know that 40% of his employees said they will quit rather than get the vaccination or be tested weekly. This is a store we're already struggling to keep fully or partially staffed. The employees are mad at us for the mandate, not understanding that we won't have a choice. We don't have a choice and that we can see if it indeed goes into effect. Don't tell me Biden and his team didn't foresee this as an issue, but still decide to play politics over actually helping small businesses survive in a horrible work shortage. Um, I'm sick and so tired of being used as a political pawn in government's twisted games and power grabs. Uh, and she says, I hope this gets tied up in the courts for the long haul. Uh, I think I have some good news for employers about the uh, highly questionable Biden OSHA rule requiring you to either get jabbed or get tested at work. Uh, so we can get into that on the other side of the commercial break. Uh, as I posited the few days ago, I don't think it's going to happen. How mad would that make you, though? The government makes you close your business. The ice cream store over there can be open, but you can't be open. Why? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter. Government says now. Government says you can open. Now you got to close back down. You can open up if you have this many employees. You're gonna now. You gotta. Your employees have to be vaccinated. What? How many times are you gonna jerk me around? Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Past 30 years, McDonald was a reliable talk show fixture. I have a son, yeah, a little older. He's, uh, I want to say... <laughs> he's 10 or 15. Yeah. The point is this. <laughs> uh, my favorite part of watching the clips of Norm McDonald on the talk shows yesterday was how much he cracked up Letterman or Conan or whoever he was on with. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. And you were right in pointing out he had an Andy Kaufman-esque uh, aspect to his thing. Often he would just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Well, I remember, I remember when it happened. I think Sean brought it to us when he did the roast of Bob Saget. On Comedy Central. And he did this string of, like, lame jokes. It's hard to figure out what he was doing there, but it got funnier and funnier it went on. They were just all terrible jokes. Wow. Yeah, I don't remember that. (laughs) And everybody's just dying laughing. It's funny. I tweeted that out yesterday, I think. But anyway, what are you going to do? Have to grab it. So we just read a lovely note from a gal who's part of running a string of family grocery stores, and they're subject to the... Uh, Biden OSHA vaccine or testing mandate because they have over a hundred employees and they've they're already struggling like crazy to keep their stores open because of the government induced labor shortage and they've had forty uh, percent of their employees vow to quit before they get jabbed or submit to the weekly testing so and and I feel very confident in saying that that note from Alien Anonymous was pretty emblematic of a lot of employers around the country so I found this really interesting and. <clears throat> you know, I think our uh, uh, file this under politics that nobody expects to happen. Their point isn't to make it happen. Their point is to either signal their base that they're out there fighting for them 
by running just crap of the, of the flagpole, or as Jack pointed out several days ago, the Biden administration needed desperately to change the topic from Afghanistan. So they made it about vaccine mandates. <clears throat> Here's your evidence, and this is a, a kind of amalgamation of several different publications reporting on this, but I found it so interesting. You know, President Biden announced he's directed OSHA to draft a rule requiring businesses more than 100 employees to get the shots or the test, right? We're all familiar with that. Um, but before the first legal challenges against the mandate roll in, the Biden administration faces the more immediate conundrum of whether the chronically resource-strapped OSHA is up to the task of enforcing it anyway. That's from Business Insider. It's reeling from deep staffing cuts under the Trump administration, and its fines are relatively low and often fought out in long court battles. So they have 800 safety and compliance inspectors to cover more than 100,000 private sector companies affected by the new rule. And that would be millions and millions and millions of people. OSHA is rather toothless in a lot of ways in the fines that it can implement, the expert noted. They're very low in proportion to the harm that's very that's caused. Employers fight these fines. They impeal them through every avenue possible, spending two, three, four, ten times as much money on legal proceedings than they would just actually paying the fine. More than 80 million workers covered. OSHA won't be able to police every la- every employer, one labor attorney told Reuters. Plus... And I'd read a little about this, but this makes it more clear. There are legal issues. OSHA plans to publish an emergency temporary standard, an ETS, to enact the new requirements, the White House said Friday. That measure, which is used to accelerate urgent rules, has only been used 10 times in OSHA's 50-year history. Courts have halted or invalidated four out of the 10 and partially blocked a fifth. So about once a decade does any of this get by, and it's nothing like the current rule where the government deputizes the workplace to make workers do something outside the workplace because it allegedly might cause something bad within the work workplace. In other words, nobody seriously thinks this is going to go through. So the most troubling part of this is... Um that more and more and more and more now presidents are willing to do things they know can't happen or are unconstitutional just for a political short-term political gain and that's a that's a troubling direction to go right right and then others are pointing out that uh, who pays for the testing does the employee or i guess the employer has to but then you're running into hundreds of millions of dollars for some company of an imposed cost on a very questionable constitutional basis. So, yeah, again, Constitution, Schmonstitution. A story that might get lost, uh, a combination of things, the the hearings about Afghanistan, the Bob Woodward book, a couple other things that are going on. The hearings with the FBI around the whole sexual abuse of our athletes happening today. Simone Biles spoke earlier. The FBI director, Ray, is speaking right now. I'll quote him from just a few minutes ago. I want to be crystal clear. The actions and inaction of the FBI employees' details in this report are totally unacceptable. They failed to protect young women and girls from abuse. He said he was sickened when he learned of what FBI agents didn't do with the information they were given about that creepo Nasser m- molesting raping children yeah. wow you know you should be pretty upset 
Yeah, and we'll compile some uh, clips of Simone Biles, too, I guess, who has been eloquent as usual and, and really persuasive about how corrupt and sick the whole system was. Yeah, I just, I'm so cynical now. I'm so cynical. I think, I don't think Ray's doing the I take full responsibility thing, you know, and, and, and not actually caring. I think he, I think he is sickened. I think he does care. But I just, I don't expect anything to work anymore. And that's the whole uh, decaying of our institutions. I don't think the FBI will get better than it was when they let this happen. I don't have any reason to think that will happen. When is the last time you saw any institution reform itself and get better? I can't think of one. It's just it's just not the way things work anymore. Institutions just double down on bloat and adding more levels and adding more people and getting bigger budgets, and they continue to suck, whether it's running, uh, getting out of Afghanistan or investigating child rapists or whatever the hell. Things just keep getting worse. I know that makes me sound like a nihilist, but that's what I actually believe. Nihilists. Um, I, uh, I think there will be very sincere people within the FBI who will try very hard to change rules and procedures so that it can't happen again. Uh, I sure as and I hope, hope so. I hope they're successful at least to some extent. It's very difficult to clean out a bureaucracy, even if everybody or virtually everybody within it agrees on the goal. It's just, it's much harder than you think. Right. Well, he even, Director Ray even said, this is like a half hour ago, I saw it when I was in the lunchroom, he said, and the agent that was in charge that took this information and did nothing with it, he immediately was relieved of his duties, so he had nothing else to do with the investigation, and I'm happy to say he is no longer involved with the FBI at all. And I thought, okay, that's kind of a vague ending to his career. Did he just get to retire with his pension? That's that's what I'd like to know, because that's what happens all the time. People do awful things in government, and they get to just resign, just step down, and they retire with their pension. Usually they just get sent to another office, but I guess this one is too egregious. But I'd like to know, did he get penalized in any way for completely abandoning these girls to a rapist? And or, because I agree with you, but or... Does this guy come out and say, look, here's what was wrong with the bureaucracy. I tried to do this, and they shut me down. We have this rule that says blah, blah, blah. Sure. We do, and I couldn't do that. I'd like to hear his side of it, too. And, you know, we'll, we'll judge the witness's honesty, as a jury is supposed to do. But, yeah, because there's, there's part of hearing from the most powerful people saying it was a couple of rogues. We've fitted them with the goat's horns and whooped them on the ass and sent them out. There's something there that I'm not comfortable with. Let's hear from both ends. Yeah, I don't know. I no longer believe any of these institutions can do what they're supposed to do and and reform themselves. So I am a nihilist. I am a. I didn't realize it until today. I'm officially a nihilist now. Okay. Well, that's the way I'll live my life. Does that um, uh, call for a change of uh, clothing style or like uh, facial hair or anything? Or, I'm gonna, are, are there going to be outward signs? Well, my, it's kind of interesting that my new look is I wear a suit every day, and now I'm in a nihilist in a suit. So I'm a well-dressed nihilist. Um, so, what would a nihilist wear? I mean, if nothing matters and nothing means anything. I don't think he'd, I don't know, but I don't think he'd wear a suit. <laughs> Nakedness? Jumpsuit? I don't know. Um, Overalls. Billionaires in space, 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 space continues to be a thing. Got another billionaire that's going into space. And this one's kind of an interesting one as they keep pushing the uh, 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 limits as to, uh, you know, just regular people going into space. Another billionaire is headed to space, this time with an all-civilian crew in what CNN reports is the first orbital mission in the history of spaceflight to be entirely tourists and non-astronauts. 
So they're going to actually orbit the Earth, which would be pretty freaking cool. Going wow. straight up and coming back down like Bezos, that'd eh, be fun. Zero gravity would be fun. Pretty short. Wasn't that thing like 20 minutes or something? It was pretty short. This is orbiting the Earth from an altitude of 350 miles. It's going to be a Falcon 9 rocket, so it's one of, uh, is that one of uh, Elon's rockets? Yes. Sounds like it. Four passengers will spend three days inside a 13-foot-wide capsule, sleeping in the reclining seats and relieving themselves in a single zero-gravity-friendly toilet. Nice. Well, four people, you can share one toilet. This guy who's a billionaire, you've never heard of him or the company that he became a billionaire with. That's interesting. Jared, I haven't heard of him anyway. Jared Isaacman, he's 38. He's a billionaire because he came up with Shift 4. I'm guessing something that handles payments. Payment processing company. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, he's a billionaire. Uh, spending about $200 million on this. And then you got a bone cancer survivor. You got somebody else that won a contest. You got a former military dude. These are the civilian kind of tourists, whatever. But anyway, orbiting the Earth's a big step from where we were just a couple of weeks ago when you just went up and came back down. So obviously, this spacecraft is entirely remote controlled slash automated. I guess. I mean, if nobody aboard has any idea how to fly it, yeah. or they're I just going to fly off into space and crash into the sun, I don't know. That might happen too. Well, that would that'd be an awful outcome. Sun's a long way away from them. They've been training since March, so anyway, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I would that one. I, that one, I would I would be pretty happy. I'd pay a lot of money to do that. Orbit the Earth three days in a space capsule. Well, invent a way to, uh, you know, uh, transact payments. As I've said before, all my favorite bars have troughs in the bathroom. This is similar to what's going on here in the uh, spacecraft, so that wouldn't bother me a bit. We're all using a trough. Are they all dudes, or is there a woman on here? Because that makes it more uncomfortable. Mm. Well, and where is the turlet? I, I mean, the is there a door, somewhere. or is it, like, right in the middle? And there's a woman there. Well, you're going to have to get used to seeing space, Wang, I think. <laughs> the trough please what are we cave people yes yes we are disgusting Uh, we will finish strong as we always do armstrong and getty the armstrong and getty show we're going to play another Norm McDonald clip. I don't think there's a bigger fan of Norm McDonald in the world than my brother Joe. <laughs> so he was pretty broken up over it yesterday. Norm McDonald died at age 61. Um, we interviewed him when his memoir came out. It's not a memoir. Uh, it's a hilarious book, but it's not a memoir. But when his book came out a couple of years ago, we interviewed him. And I remembered that interview and been pretty good and charming. And we're going to post it as a podcast, a standalone podcast. So if you go to armstrongandgetty.com a little later today, you will find that and you can check it out. Would it be under Armstrong and Getty Extra Large, probably, just to help folks click successfully? I think so. I don't have any idea how you find our podcasts. That's beyond me. Um, This is Norm MacDonald on Letterman, the, the final weeks of Letterman's show. Uh, and this got a lot of traction yesterday because it gives you an idea of what kind of guy Norm MacDonald was. I remember Dave differently because the first time I saw him, I was 13 years old. I was living in... uh, (laughs) 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 
I was living in Toronto, Canada, and I went to a talk show they had there. And uh, David Letterman was the stand-up comedian on the show. And uh, I loved stand-up. And David Letterman did this joke that I told everybody this joke. I love this joke. It's still... I, uh, I, I was on the street the other day, and... Uh, I, uh, I saw a garbage truck, and on the back of the garbage truck, there was a small sign that said, Please do not follow too closely. <laughs> Another of life's simple pleasures, ruined by a meddling bureaucracy, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Remember the old days when, when Dad would pile the kids in the station wagon, and we'd all go out and follow a garbage truck? <laughs> So anyways, I'd just like to say, I know that uh, Mr. Letterman is uh, 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 not for the mockish, and uh, he, has, uh, he has no truck for the sentimental, but if something is true, it is not sentimental, and I say in truth, I love you. Oh, heard anybody say that before is that a, is that a truism if something's true it's not sentimental i've never heard that before in my life it's interesting i had to ponder that for a while huh i think my guess would be that norm mcdonald was uh, the way he was well, maybe he was that way his whole life i don't know but i'm thinking he was the way he was there on letterman and in some of the stuff he wrote in his book because he was battling cancer that whole 10 years and i can tell you from my own personal experience of uh having cancer um, it changes your view of life and how long it lasts and uh, puts you in a different mind frame for really everything mm. from that point on. And I, I think that's probably why he was so sentimental about that. When did his book come out? Hansen, I don't remember. 2016. Wow, is that long ago? Yeah, see, I, I've totally lost the sense of whether something happens three years ago or 23. Wow, you're know. like Joe it's Biden. It's the past. You're like Joe I'm, Biden. I'm like a dog. <laughs> Or did, Joe Biden. Did you see yesterday, They, uh, I didn't see this, I only saw it one place, that uh, genealogists have found that Joe Biden's relatives may have been slaveholders. I, and I missed that the one. The reason that's uh, interesting is because he's so old, they might be talking about his dad or his grandpa, I mean, it might be <laughs> fairly recent. Wow. He is 100 years old. So. Yeah, wow. And well, obviously, he bears that guilt. Uh, of course. He'll have to answer for that. Well, he should resign. Right? I don't want the show to be over, but I am ready to listen to the final thoughts from Armstrong and Getty. Here is your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. It's Michelangelo in the control room keeping us on the air. Michael, what's your final thought? To me, Norm McDonald's was like your crazy uncle who said crazy things, and you can't believe you're laughing at this stuff because it's so <laughs> inappropriate, yet you keep on laughing. Yep. Young Alex, do you have a final thought for us? I do. You know, a lot's being made about the Met Gala this week, and my favorite part of it is everybody sitting at home in their ratty t-shirt jeans critiquing high fashion. I think it's great. Hmm. <laughs> Jack, how about a final thought for the folks? So it didn't occur to me till during the show today, but this new Bob Woodward book is a canard or a catch-22 or a circle that can't be squared or something. A canard. I, I, I wonder if it's going to uh, stick around as a story because either you believe it all or you don't believe it all. And if you're going to believe it all, then this General Milley guy has got to go or at least answer a hell of a lot of questions immediately. 
Might have to go to Leavenworth. My final thought is also Met Gala related. Jim Banks, congressman from Indiana, took uh, three shots at AOC in her dress. Eric Swalwell tweets at him, three tweets about AOC's dress. Do you need a restraining order? Banks responds, sorry, Eric, only one of us has a thing for communist women. Bam! Headshot. Fang, fang, reset. Eric Swalwell and his Chinese spy gal pal. Never forget! Honest to gosh, I feel like the uh, the Woodward book stuff about General Milley and, and Trump being so crazy exploded yesterday. But I think maybe the cable news channels are thinking it through and thinking, wait a second, if we're going to buy into this, then he attempted to pull off a coup. And we might have a maybe we should stop talking about this with the encouragement of Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, Whoops. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling for our workday. So many people to thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. Get a podcast. If you miss any chunk of the show, it's Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Our interviews are extra large. You can get some swag while you're there. Drop us an email. This is something we ought to be talking about. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We will see tomorrow. God bless America. Armstrong and Getty. We'd like to see a world in which every person gets access to... A podcast! It's true. I, are you sure of that, dude? Whether you're neurodivergent or not, a lot of people have this experience. Shut up! So, let's go out with a bang. He became the first defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. And congratulations, Charles. That is something that no one can ever take away from you. Unless you kill your wife and a waiter, in which case... <laughs> that I know. Thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.